welcome back to A Rugby Conversation. My name's Hans Pearson. This is a podcast about grassroots rugby, by the fans, about the fans and for the fans. We're telling the stories that aren't being told, your grassroots stories. Stories from the coalface, away from the spotlight, for this is the tribal heartbeat of our game. It's the light on the hill, and right now, it's the way out for Australian rugby. Don't forget you can follow A Rugby Conversation on social media or check out our website at rugbyconversation.com. My guest today is Jeff Stook. Jeff's a legend in West Australian rugby. As chairman of WA Rugby for 23 years, the Western Force was born under his watch. The Force also exited Super Rugby while Jeff was on the board of the ARU, a moment which devastated him personally and the entire WA Rugby community. Jeff's own story, though, includes an incredible community playing journey throughout Australia and PNG, and at the ripe young age of 71, he still plays fourth grade for his beloved Soaks in WA's premier competition. Australian rugby needs more guys like this. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jeff Stook. Well, Jeff, thanks very much for joining us today on a Rugby Conversation podcast. Uh, you're all the way over there in uh, Perth, WA, uh, coming to you from Brisbane um, uh, over the phone. How are you going there this evening? Yeah, well, it's uh, beautiful weather here right now, so it's a bit of a break from uh, what we had there for a few weeks, but uh, no, all good over here in the West. Oh, good, good to hear. Well, Jeff, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, our podcast is all about the grassroots of the game and 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 interesting people who've made really significant contributions over many years. And uh, and look, you, you you certainly fit that bill. And I think it'd be really good to go through your story as as really a doyen of the game uh, in Western Australia and many of the people on the east side of the uh, of of the code. Uh, in Australia may not be aware just of, of, of the length and the breadth of, of, of your contribution to the game and, and also I know you, you um, would be a great opportunity for you just to educate uh, the, the rest of the, uh, the, the Australian rugby fraternity about how things are going in WA uh, and uh, over what's been a pretty tumultuous couple of years but certainly from what I hear on the ground over there uh, and as I'm sure you're going to share there's there's nothing but uh, strong momentum and, um, and while some challenges, some uh, some positive uh, years ahead for, for WA Rugby. Yeah, sure. Well, I suppose my background, um, I played rugby at school. I went to a rugby school called Hurlston, Hurlston Agricultural High School in Sydney. And um, in fact, uh, my last year there, uh, they won the Waratah Shield, which was the state knockout competition in New South Wales. Mm. Um, I was in the second 15, not the first 15. Uh, we won every grade uh, that year. And uh, that was 1964, as I said. And uh, I started playing grade rugby in uh, 1965 uh, with the Western Suburbs Club, Club in Sydney. I played a few years with them, then I joined the Army, did officer training. I played club rugby in, uh, in Victoria with uh, the officer at school, Portsea. I then came back to Sydney with the Army as an Army officer and played for the Parramatta Club in 69. Then I uh, got posted to PNG and played club rugby in Port Moresby and also represented um, um, PNG 
um, came back to Australia in uh, 72 and um, played in Townsville and represented um, um, Queensland Country and also um, Australian Combined Services. And um, 75, I moved, sorry, 73, I moved to uh, Wagga where I uh, played for River Arena and there's a cup comp in Wagga and um, continued to play for Australian Combined Services as well and then got transferred to Perth in 1975 as the military. Uh, I left the military in the early 80s, but uh, in 75 when I got here, I joined the Associates Rugby Club, and uh, I've been playing with them ever since. And uh, I played uh, again this year, where we I played fourth grade, where we were fortunate enough to win the competition, win the premiership, and our first grade side did the same thing, so it was a pretty big year for my club over here. Um, Wow, that's uh, that's one that's 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 one hell of a duty uh, tour of duty, Jeff. Is, uh, there's there's not too many parts of the game you haven't touched in amongst uh, Australia and P um, and G, yeah. and I guess for listeners, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but um, I'm doing the math. So if you're still running around in fourth grade, uh, you've yeah. uh, you must have cracked uh, close to a thousand games, and uh, and and my maths would put you. Um, uh, well, certainly over the age of 50, Jeff. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> I've... Uh, this season is my 54th season of grade rugby. Um, I also played a fair bit of representative rugby along the way for about 15 years, including um, Queensland Country, um, PNG, um, Western Australia, Australian Combined Services. So all in all... Club games and rep games combined, it's probably about 940. Um, for the Associates Club, which I joined in 75, which is 10 years after I started playing grade rugby, I played my 700th game for them this year. Um, now it's 707 with them. So it's been a long journey as a player, but I don't regret one moment of it. I am over 50. In fact, I turned 70 this year, so uh, <laughs> I was rather fortunate to still be able to play at 70. Oh my word! It must be uh, must be injury free, Jeff. That, 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 that's fantastic. So, so nine hundred well, injury free, but uh, <laughs> I have to work hard to uh, to keep out in the track there. <laughs> oh, good on you, mate. That's uh, that, that's absolutely incredible. I mean, I, well, I feel feel guilty talking to you at uh, at, at, at an age a bit below that uh, and not running around on on a Saturday or a Sunday. So, so at nine hundred and forty games. Uh, where to from here? You must get asked that a lot. Uh, I'm not sure how many players would have would have cracked a thousand games in Australia. I'm not sure. I've never really gone into that. Um, every season's a new season. Depends how the body pulls up uh, after uh, the summer and tennis and other things. But um, certainly, uh, I think it's getting close to the end. But uh, I was delighted about to have a run around this year, and uh, next year I'll decide probably in about March. <laughs> my so, wife uh, would rather I wasn't playing, and uh, that may have some influence uh, next year. So, for uh, for the last uh, twenty, thirty years, um, about half of the Saturdays of each year have been uh, have been accounted for um, well in advance. 
Uh, for 54 years. 54 years, yes. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> very understanding Don't and supportive family. Get up, <laughs> do A, B, and C, pack my gear, go to rugby. Yep. Oh, fantastic. Uh, and, and the Soaks, tell us a bit about uh, Associates. Um, my research uh, prior to the call tells me there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of people there that, that have played you know, several hundred games. It's um, obviously very strong and uh, strong club, and and one with a with a lot of success over the decades. Yes, well, a former army colleague of mine, Bruce Hughes, he cracked uh, 500 games this year. We also have another guy, Mike Ballantyne, who is a uh, um, principal of um, one of these schools at Hale School, who um, uh, was also cracked 500. Then we have a string of guys around the uh, 350, a couple of 400. So, yeah, there's quite a few guys that decide to play uh, a long time. They love their rugby in the West and uh, they keep playing. Yeah. And, um, and a, the thing about it is that um, in the lower grades here, it's not just a bunch of old guys, it's the fact that I'm old, it's immaterial. There's always a mixture, you get a, a, quite a few. Uh, younger guys mixing with the older brigade and uh, it makes for a uh, good social harmony. So uh, it's all good fun and uh, the true traditions of the game that we grew up with uh, still exist. Yeah, that, that's just outstanding and, and look, there is absolutely no doubt you know, that the strength of rugby in WA is um, it, it, it's just it's growing all the time. And do you want just to describe the the competition in in, uh, in Perth, and maybe just sort of also talk us through some of the some of the country associations over there. What's a what's a picture of WA rugby to the to the Eastern Seaboard? Well, the strongest part is obviously Perth, and uh, uh, Perth um, it's been a bit uh, convoluted this year. But we uh, we went to uh, um, seventeen teams in the first grade, and they divided into two um, halfway through the season, but. Um, under normal circumstances, we'd have 10 teams in the uh, first division and probably another 8 to 10 in the second division. But that has changed. This last year, the games are in experimental phase where every club, or most clubs, are given the opportunity to uh, play in the first grade competition and then they make a divide after um, uh, half a round. Um, but the, <clears throat> the strength of the competition has improved enormously over the years. Since I arrived here in '75, and um, certainly with the advent of the Western Force, it went even uh, higher. At uh, as you'd probably be aware, we've had um, players who've come through our Colts and Schoolboy competitions here, who have gone into the Force uh, programs, or and uh, become Wallabies. And Dane uh, Harapetti is one, and um, Richard Harbick's another, who um, came through the. Uh, the, uh, all the junior competitions we have here. So uh, the standard improved. It certainly helped having um, uh, professional players also playing in the, the uh, club competition. The profile of the game was enhanced enormously um, with the advent of the Western Force and some of the world's best players playing here. Uh, our first coach was John Mitchell, who uh, um, we have a lot of Kiwis and Perth who play rugby and and clearly they were very much attracted to him. So um, it's been a wonderful uh, you know, 10 or 15 years of growth here in WA. Um, in the last uh, 12 months, with the demise of the Western Force, 
we're very fortunate that um, Andrew Forrest stepped in and um, we continue to have a Western Force team whilst not playing Super Rugby. It uh, is an elite team and it does provide an aspirational team for the young guys coming through our local competition. Our numbers did drop a little this year mm -hmm. uh, because of what happened, but um, we believe that that's sort of plateaued now and uh, we're looking forward to further growth. And uh, Andrew and his team have made a strong commitment and uh, the message is now getting down to all levels. But um, it was a disappointing time, but uh, certainly enthusiasm for the game in the West has not waned at all. Yeah, that, that, that's fantastic. And, yeah, look, some of the numbers that that people would benefit from knowing, look, I understood, you know, last year had 14,000 players uh, in, in WA. You say that might have come off a fraction, but uh, you've had 20 players who debuted for the force go on to the Wallabies. You've had 13 locals into Super Rugby and you've had three locals go via the Western Force into the Wallabies, including some of the names you've mentioned. Um, so yeah, you know, quite, right. quite a nursery ground and, uh, you know, and, and some fa fantastic momentum. So we'll just, you know, it's very topical. So while we're a grassroots podcast, let's talk about Andrew Forrest and the World Series uh, rugby concept that's, that's, been, uh, that, that's been approved and, and, and looks like it's going to be a... Southeast Asian slash Asian um, element to that. I think the story that would be mm. really interesting to understand, Jeff, and you would clearly be be close to, uh, and, and you know, right across Andrew's involvement, but he's he's become a bit of a figurehead for the game in WA to the rest of the country. How close is his involvement, and how important is is this concept uh, for for the supporters and the players in WA? Well, firstly, he's fully committed uh, to the Western Force and the um, Global Rapid Rugby Competition. Um, Andrew is the first to admit he was not a, uh, a rugby tragic, but he did play rugby at school and uh, enjoyed rugby. Um, but he was also um, very big on, uh, on justice and he felt that... Uh, a great injustice was done to not only Western Falls and rugby here, but also the state in general. So his support was based on that. Um, as time goes by, his passion for the team has become very obvious, and you've only got to watch some of the uh, media footage to see how passionate in, and supportive he is for the team. The biggest benefit we've had is that, A, it's been able to enable rugby fans to watch elite rugby. Now, this year, our crowds, our uh, Western Force fixtures, which are based as a series of elite fixtures, um, was around 15,000. And that was greater than any average crowd for any of the um, super teams. Mm -hmm. That in itself was outstanding. Secondly, uh, we have a different programs from the um, uh, junior underage levels coming through that... Um, tie in to the Western Force and they also then become the aspirational teams for guys playing club rugby in Western Australia. So I can't underestimate the uh, significance. Andrew clearly is committed to Western Australia, to the team, but he also has a strong connection into Asia and uh, he's a strong believer in uh, the fact that um, there are more eyes 
in that uh, region of the world than anywhere else in the world. And um, he liked more than watching rugby and watching uh, his competition. Absolutely. And um, Matt Hodgson's uh, uh, heading that competition up, uh, Rapid Rugby, as, as you say. And, and yeah, maybe can you talk... No, Matt's us- not heading it up. No, no, uh, the, the head of it um, is um, Bud Pash, Patch, but um, um, Matt is the head of uh, elite rugby within the competition. So he's the head of rugby, but the overall CEO is Bud Patch. Right. Okay. No. no. Um, and so, rapid rugby—it's it, a new form of the game. And um, are you aware of how that came about, or you know, is—is is it really just looking for further entertainment to to appeal to the to the supporters? Well, um, yes, they wanted more entertaining. Um, but what they're trying to do is increase the amount of time the ball's in play. Um, I can't quote you the actual statistics, but certainly um, with the way our breakdowns are managed and the scrums and different things, the time lost uh, is significant. So they've tried to reduce that and speed the game up. By virtue of the fact the game is being sped up, they've reduced the the halves by five minutes. But certainly it's all about uh, providing greater entertainment um, to the spectator. And obviously it'll become quite demanding on the... um, the players, because if, it, if it's a faster game, uh, their fitness level will have to uh, accommodate it. Yeah. yeah well, it's going to be fascinating to see how it goes, and uh, and certainly within Australia, WA's at the forefront of it uh, and, and will be the face of it. So, um, you know, 2019 is going to be going to be interesting and, uh, and then rolling into 2020 off the back of the World Cup. It was very disappointing, actually, that... Um, the team that Andrew hoped to place in Western Sydney didn't happen because uh, he firmly believes, as do I, that it's an area that uh, um, could do with some sort of stimulus in terms of rugby. And um, unfortunately, New South Wales Rugby Union and others decided it wasn't the way to go. But uh, that would have been a great opportunity to uh, give uh, a lot of uh, players in that local area opportunity to play at a late level. And, and what was the thinking behind that, Jeff? Because the, you know, there's been a, a, it's been really difficult uh, for some of those Western Sydney teams in the Shoot Shield to to be competitive over recent years, and, and I think that reached a bit of a crisis point this year and last year. What's... Well, it did, yeah. Well, the thing was that because there's so many good athletes in that area, um, and some of them, you know, they uh, don't necessarily come from the uh, which is families in the community, um, there was an opportunity for players in that area to be contracted. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a team would be seeded into the area, but the opportunity would then arise for players to come through and uh, get into the uh, lower levels of professional rugby. So um, it was felt it was a very fertile ground for uh, a team to participate in this competition. Mm. Yeah, well, it's uh, as you say, it's a shame, but uh, the, the series is up and running for next year, which is which is exciting, and um, and we'll see where uh, where it goes from there. So, Jeff, just coming back to WA grassroots, if I can, it, it, without that Western Force team, but now there's the the Rapid Rugby for the young kids to look up to. Um, if I'm a young kid going into rugby and I might be a social player or I, I might be a young athlete with some ambitions in the game. 
what what are the pathways look like for me now uh, if I'm you know I'm I'm going into say into a high school sort of scenario and uh, and again yeah um, people who want to be social and 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 I think certainly my view and you you you've lived that yes you played some rep rugby but you've gone on to be um, social in double inverted commas in 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 the club in that you contribute you know year after year at the at the lower grades and you're you know you're an integral part of a of a club fabric so we need those kids to come through and feel engaged with rugby and that they have a role in lower grades at school and lower grades at club level and to be around at a club for 10 or 20 years they they're the people that keep clubs going so what's the pathway for them and and separately, what's the pathway well, for an, I think a young athlete? A couple, a couple of points there. A couple of points. Um, um, firstly, as you be aware, uh, I was chairman here from '88 till 2011, so I was able to uh, be involved directly in uh, the community game. We only had community, and then uh, when we had community and the uh, professional game, there was no doubt that. Uh, removal of Western Force um, makes it more difficult for a player aspiring to play for the Wallabies to uh, achieve that objective. Um, whilst they can aspire to play for the um, Western Force in the uh, Global Rapid Rugby competition, that's not going to be uh, necessarily uh, as easy a route to get to the Wallabies as it would be if you're playing Super Rugby. So that's a fact of life. We've got to work with that. We've got to keep these uh, players in the state as best we can. Fortunately, we've had uh, guys who are involved in um, the Western, the new Western Force under Andrew. Uh, a number of them have been offered contracts in Super Rugby and have rejected them to stay. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be reinforced and hopefully we have uh, players here who are comfortable continuing to play and who uh, can play club level, go through our various academies and um, get into the uh, um, Western Force team and maybe in time there'll be some um, clear flow through to the Wallabies. As far as the club game goes, uh, that's uh, like all sports, I'm involved in a few, including tennis, um, there is a lot more wastage now in inverted commas when kids come from school or juniors into the senior ranks. Um, when guys are playing Colts, as you know, in any sporting club, they're with their, their normal own social um, cohort, age cohort. When they get graded, they can go from you know, first to fourth grade, and then you start to lose them. But the other factor that comes in is uh, factors that come in are, uh, are work commitments um, and possibly family commitments. Mm. So we're not necessarily getting the same level of retention of those young guys as we had in the past, and that was the case before uh, and after um, the demise of the uh, Western Force. So I think it's a challenge we have. We've got to make sure that rugby clubs can provide more than just um, a game of rugby on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, it's got to have all the other things that we probably live through in our time, and uh, they're really interested in doing that. So uh, it's a challenge, but it's a challenge for all sports. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what are those sort of things that, that you think clubs need to provide? And if I can just preempt your answer by uh, here in 
in Brisbane, for example, at the, at the premier clubs, there is an increasing... It, certainly the, the average age of the premier grade player has dropped over recent years. There's no doubt about that. And for the reasons I think you've outlined. But one of the things that the clubs are, are, are seeking to do is really take more notice of the fact that, well, they've got to provide a, a life experience for young men and young women coming into the game. And that might mean business networks or you know, um, you know, uh, off-field education and those sorts of things so that the club provides, yeah, I guess, a, a, a bit of a life journey for these young men and women. And that might enable them, therefore, to stay around in the club a little bit longer and find other roles uh, on and off the field as coaches or referees or, you know, administrators in the game uh, into, into the future. Well, yeah, I think that everything you say is correct and the club I belong to and the other clubs in the West here are doing exactly that. But it's not necessarily given in all cases, as you appreciate. Mm. Yes, the age has come down on the Premier Grade players. The retention rates have come down, but there's overall there's more playing the game, and there's, still, there's a lot of um, players at the junior level getting involved in the game. And now we have uh, women playing a lot more. In fact, uh, Western Australia. I'm not sure what the statistics were this year, but in previous years, we had the equal highest number of women's teams in the country. Wow! Fantastic. So uh, I think it may have been. Um, May have been yourselves in Queensland, may have been the highest. And New South Wales women's uh, competition is pretty small. So we have a very uh, vibrant uh, women's competition here in the West. And um, the um, Western Australian, I think it's schoolgirls women's rugby team, won the national championship recently. Mm. So uh, it's quite strong over here. Um, and we're, it's enhanced by. Uh, a strong um, Kiwi and uh, um, Pacific Islander populations, along with um, clubs making uh, efforts to uh, encourage women into them. I mean, it's not just a, um, let's have a ladies' women's rugby team. Uh, there's facilities to be provided and all those sorts of things, and we're fortunate that um, many of the local councils are starting to accommodate the fact that um, a lot of these sports... Um, are for both gender as a consequence of that uh, they're actually providing better facilities yeah look that's a real challenge jeff there's no doubt about it you know you're um some of the fast growing clubs in in brisbane are attracting more and more girls and and women and that's absolutely fantastic and you know i've got to say they're being welcomed with open arms that you know there's there's they're just a, an equal member of the club as as it should be but definitely mm. that brings with it you know, any growth brings with it the need for further investment. Uh, and um, sure. it's uh, probably in Brisbane, uh, the the issue is, is made worse by the structure of the clubs here. Over the last five to ten years, and I, I want to sort of understand how this has evolved in WA, if I can. And in, in Brisbane, with with the reversal of funding coming down to the clubs, which was probably realistically in an, uns in an unsustainable way from, from the top down to now um, you know, levies going uh, via the ARU uh, but you know, to the state unions uh, really and, and to insurance, etc. But that really that, that money coming, coming to the clubs was, was cut off sort of you know, five or so years ago. Uh, and my personal view on that is, well, 
you know, it, that money just couldn't come forever, otherwise the game would uh, would drive itself into the ground. So, and clubs do need to stand on their own two feet. But, but the way that the Brisbane clubs reacted was interesting. Uh, all of the Premier clubs pretty much are now merged, bar one. And so you've got clubs here that are uh, single clubs of the size of over 2,000 players, you know, with, with you know, half a dozen staff and, you know, turnover, you know, sort of two and a half million bucks. So you've got some really large super clubs almost evolving, which cover juniors, girls, men, you know, Colts, modified rugby, etc. What's the evolution been like in WA? Well, let me, let me just first explain something to you, that uh, it was only selected clubs in Sydney and Brisbane that received funding. Mm. Uh, they were the, uh, it was 12, 12 uh, Sydney clubs and eight Brisbane clubs. That was called Premier Rugby Funding, and uh, it was progressively withdrawn because uh, we had Super Rugby had virtually replaced uh, that competition, those competitions, as the next tier after, um, before the Wallabies. Mm-hmm. The clubs in Western Australia never had that, so we didn't have to go through that situation of um, reduced funding. But we've always supported ourselves. Um, as far as the uh, changes in the um, charges made by the Australian Rugby Union, um, I have my issues with some of the things Australian Rugby did, certainly my time on the board, uh, my resignation reflected that. However, let me say that the change in the funding model where we all came through the ARU was simply um, an effort that was supported by all the member unions to have the funds collected for the member unions and for the clubs that matter on, uh, by the ARU on their behalf. Now, Previously, what was happening, many players would um, uh, play for a club, not pay their subs, and uh, next thing they're gone and the club recovers nothing. But the club had to um, pay an affiliation fee to their member union uh, for each team, had to pay for the insurance for each team, and became a club responsibility. Whereas the changing in the structure and having go to the RU meant it made an individual responsibility. And that's where a lot of flack uh, was felt by the Australian Rugby Union, was misrepresented in that particular area. Mm. I got other things I could say that I'm not happy about. In that particular case, they were doing a favour because clubs were struggling to collect their subs from many of their players. So by having a situation where you had to register with the Australian Rugby Union, pay your subs, or pay your, your registration fees, that money then eventually came back to the member union, which was a payment the clubs had to make previously. Look, look, Jeff, I, I, I hear you, and, I, and I'm aware of the, the background to that. And look, and to, my view is, it, it was really unsustainable for clubs just to receive a handout. And it's really interesting for, for listeners to understand that it wasn't all clubs around Australia, but it was a selection of clubs. And, and a number of those it clubs... Was 20, 20 clubs in Australia, and I found out today, I saw it last week, that in Australia there's 1,044 registered rugby clubs. <laughs> 1,044 registered rugby clubs. And there were 20 clubs getting Premier Rugby funding. Doesn't so, sound very fair, does it? That. Doesn't sound very fair. <laughs> and, and well, it's fair now because no one gets it. <laughs> 
and of those 20 clubs, uh, from, from, from my understanding, there wasn't a whole lot of KPIs put around that funding. And so it sort of, um, you know, didn't necessarily go to the growth of the game. And, and so quite correctly, in my view, and it's sometimes a bit of a controversial view, uh, that, that funding was taken away. But what, what, what the reaction has been interesting in that is that people have had to get fit, get on with it, and it sounds like that's new news to me, what you've shared, and it'd be fascinating for, I'm sure, people listening to have 20 out of 1,040 clubs receiving money. Well, guess what? Those 20 are now like the other 1,020 and, uh, and getting on with life. Um, but, but the interesting thing is, uh, Hans, that... Um as you know, my son-in-law was the president of uh, Sunny Bank. Yeah, I know Dan well. And he was telling me over the years um, that after funding got pulled out, the clubs actually got stronger, the competition mm. got healthier, and the Shoot Shield is um, doing better than it's ever done. So Absolutely. the facts are that um, they adjusted pretty quickly to not having that funding, and um, uh, maybe they didn't pay the same players and the coaches weren't paid as much, whatever the case may be. The standard remains high, and um, they're self-funding. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been it's been a great evolution, and and really is a shining light of the game in Australia now. That whole club level, uh, and, and so how how do you reflect on it, having travelled all parts of the country and, and been in, in the game for you know f- over fifty years? It, you know, the, the the shoot shield and the Brisbane comps are strong, and as you say, the the WA comp and others around the country are, are going great guns. Well, I think so, and uh, that's one of the most encouraging things about the sport at present. I mean, there's no doubt that uh, we're under pressure from um, AFL and Rugby League who have so many more dollars. And it's it's not about their game, it's about their broadcasting um, revenues. That's where they get such massive uh, advantage over Australia. And we just can't compete with that. So I guess... The reality is we will live within our means and at the community game, they're doing that. But there's no doubt we need, if we're going to compete effectively against those other codes, to get more money into the grassroots. And uh, that's something we have to work through. I mean, there's a lot of money comes into the game and a lot of it goes out to a handful. So they're under pressure also at that elite level to retain these players for our national sides while you get so much pressure coming out of Europe and Japan. Yeah, it's... Um, no, you go. Yeah, no, you go, mate. Sorry. I was just going to say that, yeah, look, that, that the professional game appears to be reshaping itself and is still trying to find its feet. Uh, and, uh, and at the same time, the, the grassroots game has found its feet and is growing. And, and sometimes, I guess, those things go in cycles. But... The, the, the great news and the, the, the positive thing about Australian rugby is our foundation is as strong as it's ever been and it's now just the mm. professional game that is going through uh, a period of reshaping and and I'm sure we'll get to the other side of that and uh, and find strength at the top two at some stage. I think one of the big issues for Australian rugby overall, but uh, more particularly the community game, is that the number of volunteers has reduced. Now, that's not necessarily because people don't want to do things, but their time available to do it uh, has has also reduced. And therefore, many of the functions performed by volunteers in the past, you now have to pay people. 
So you have to find revenue streams to uh, to do that. So it becomes more challenging. But if I look at my own club, when I first joined, I don't think we had a single sponsor. Mm. Now we have a series of sponsors and uh, and we have a bar where we make a profit and all these sorts of things. So I think all clubs have grown in those areas and they'll need to keep growing because the level of sponsorship is not going to get any better. The level of um, volunteer is not going to get any better, so... Yeah, that, that's right. It really needs to be a uh, you know, a small to medium enterprise these days, a, 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 um, yep. a grade rugby club. So, uh, associates, just just paint the picture a bit for for the rest of us. Um, you know, the number of players, number of staff. What's the what's where's the home ground? What's what do I expect when I come down? Well, to the we Sox? have no uh, full time staff. Our, our home ground is at Allen Park. Uh, we were at the foreshore at Netherlands for a long time. The club was formed in 1948, so. Uh, it uh, shares the same birthday as me, <laughs> but um, well, birth year, sorry. But um, we moved uh, in 1983 to Allen Park, which is in Swanbourne. We have two fields co-located. Um, we have uh, our own change rooms and a separate uh, clubhouse. The change rooms were provided by the council in 1983. The club rooms we built in subsequent years and we continue to expand them. Um, at a grade level, we have um, um, four senior grades and a Colts grade. And then we have all the levels of juniors. We have over 200 uh, juniors. Mm. So uh, all in all, I think we have around about uh, 400 uh, members of the club. So it's quite large. Not the largest, but uh, certainly uh, it's in the top uh, handful of clubs. Um, had reasonable success uh, over many years and uh, continue to be one of the strongest performing clubs. But like other um, sporting clubs, we've struggled to get uh, the volunteers I mentioned earlier, but uh, in particular we struggled to get that age cohort of sort of between 35 and 45 to get involved in the administration. However, that changed this year with one of the younger brigades, inverted commas, taking over as president, and he's been managed to uh, uh, get some of his guys of a similar age cohort, so we now have a, a much younger um, uh, committee, and uh, they're very energetic. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, uh, be good to get down to the Soaks at some stage and, and watch you run around in fourth grade, uh, Jeff, <laughs> in, uh, in 2019, or even third grade if, uh, <laughs> if you play a good game. Um, <laughs> Not about that. <laughs> Jeff, when we spoke uh, a week or so ago, you, you mentioned uh, the recent passing of um, of who I, uh, Bob Thompson, who I believe was the first ever West Australian Wallaby, Wallaby number 544. Mm. Uh, yeah. sad, sad day for WA rugby. It was. Bob uh, played for the Western Suburbs Club here, and uh, I think it was 1971 that uh, he played uh, for WA against the Springboks where he scored a try and kicked six goals or something. He was a goal-kicking hooker. Mm. And he uh, became the backup uh, hooker for Peter Johnson. And then uh, John got hurt and he managed to play three tests for Australia. Uh, Bob uh, was originally from New Zealand and uh, he returned to New Zealand years later. He did move to Sydney after he left the West after becoming a Wallaby and he played for North for a while. And uh, he passed away in Rotorua. But uh, I 
met him once when he came back here for a Western Suburbs Club reunion and uh, delightful man. Yeah, as 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 I say, a sad day for WA rugby and um, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know great contribution. And uh, and Jeff, I guess uh, for yourself, um, uh, once you once you you finish, you know, um, uh, well not finish playing, but at a certain point in your in your playing career, you, you moved into administration, and uh, in '88 you took over chair of WA Rugby Union. Uh, for 23 years, you filled that position, which is an incredible uh, contribution to the game there. And and then you yeah. you moved on uh, to the ARU, or now known as RA, uh, as board member 2012 to 2017. Uh, any reflections on, you know, nearly 30 years in the administrative uh, capacity in the game? Oh, look, yeah. one thing I'll always say about rugby... Um, it gave me more than I could ever give it. And I, that's just a cute statement. I really believe that. Um, I got enormous satisfaction in my time as the uh, chairman of Rugby WA and to see the game grow and then get in the Western Force and just a wonderful uh, 23 years. And uh, fortunately, I was able to continue to play the whole time I was in that role. So I had a strong involvement. I, I coached every year as well. So it was a, you know, it's a wonderful involvement, which I uh, enjoyed enormously. Um, my time on the ARU board, um, it was time that someone like myself got involved. Um, I tended to probably be uh, um, the old one out from time to time, uh, given I was the only person who didn't come from Sydney or Brisbane. <laughs> but um, they were uh, you know, um, uh, good people I worked with. Um, I, uh, again... What happened uh, last year is most unfortunate. Um, I felt I still had more to offer, but um, given the circumstances, I felt I couldn't continue. But um, again, um, I met some great people there too. Well, look, you know, it's um, it's a really unique contribution that you've made, Jeff, and, you know, this game needs people like you more than ever. You know, you, you're your pride of uh, of the growth of the game in WA and your your contribution on and off the field over over you know, decades is 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 quite incredible and uh, I guess I just want to um, uh, I guess in 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 closing uh, just acknowledge the lifetime that you've given to the game I, I think it's it's delightful that that people uh, in the game of grassroots level of the game across the rest of Australia understand your contribution and, and get to learn a bit more about the game in WA, which, uh, which, is in, which is in great shape and got a fantastic future ahead. And uh, I just want to say thanks very much for, uh, for your unique perspective and, uh, and taking the time to chat with us uh, this evening. Oh, it's a pleasure. Most enjoyable. Thank you. Good on you, Jeff. Have a great night. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this rugby conversation. I know I did. We're all about grassroots rugby here. So if you know of a grassroots story that you think we should hear about, then DM us via social media or post your club or school videos or photos with the hashtag tellyourgrassrootsstory. We'd love you to get involved and help us promote everything that's good about Australian rugby. Stay tuned for more episodes of A Rugby Conversation.